With its original construction dating back to 1078 BC, the history that lies within the white walls of this fortress can fill tomes. I'm Christina. And I'm Kristen. And today on The Real Crime Podcast, we will be giving you a brief history and exploration of the Tower of London. Okay, so when this episode officially goes live, I will be packing my bags for a two-plus-week trip. Ah! Uh, First going to London, then to France, then back to Connecticut. And you will definitely see that pattern in our upcoming episodes. And you're going to hear a lot about how she's going to be not in America. Yeah, not going to be in the U.S. Kristen's a little (laughs) jealous. I'm sure you can hear it. But I promise someday when this podcast becomes like over-the-top amazing and we have like tons of people that listen and advertisers and like you can help us to get there by reviewing us and supporting us five stars please five stars only five stars um honestly four stars like any review is a good review just review us um (laughs) so if when that happens i we will we will go and we'll go to the ancient ram inn in london good i can't wait okay cool so that's gonna happen i promise you that Now, today, we're going to be covering the Tower of London. And in honor of the episode, we will be indulging in Beefeater Gin and Tonics. Currently doing so. Absolutely. They're delish. So the Tower of London is guarded by the Beefeaters. First of all, Beefeaters are called Beefeaters because of the French guards called the Buffetiers who were tasked with guarding a French king's food, which is like such a specific job. And essentially the Beefeaters are royal bodyguards. So they don't eat beef? No, they're not beef eaters. <laughs> That's I think San Francisco has, I think it's like the sirloin district or like the filet district or I don't know. It's like some cut of meat. Like, I don't know. Is yeah. it the chocolate Giardelli Square? Are you thinking of that? No, 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 no. So, like, <laughs> they literally have a district that's, like, a cut of meat, and it's nicknamed that because, like, I guess the cops who used to patrol that area, like, it was the rougher part of town, so the cops who used to patrol that area, like, earned their dinner, like, they earned their cut of beef. I don't know. It's, like, super odd and specific, but that's what the beef eaters make me think of. Now, Beef Eater Gin features an image of the Beef Eater on the bottle, and originates in London. So, like, for an episode like this, if Beef Eater wants to be one of our advertisers, we'll totally... Ooh, yeah. We're drinking it now. It's totally delicious. Take that. We love it's it like, so much. So Best tasty. thing I've ever had. Best gin in the world. Screw you, Bombay Sapphire. But wow. also, like... Wow. I know. That was harsh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I take it back. I love you, Bombay. Um, you <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa. Uh, but one more fun fact. 
uh, before we kind of dive into all of the history, there is actually someone within the Beefeaters clan called the Raven Keeper. I want to be them. Right. And they keep and breed ravens within the tower on mere superstition that dates back to King Charles II. FYI, we're on King Charles III now. When it was believed that if the ravens left, the kingdom would fall. That is actually my dream job. I believe that. I absolutely believe that. I can 1000% see myself in a black cloak with a hood. Yeah, that's not what you get to wear, among though. ravens. But, like, you you would probably just, like, wear that in your spare time. Like, not when you were in uniform, though. You have to, like, hand feed the baby ravens little pieces of meat so that they don't fly away and they, like, know to come back. Mm-hmm. And the baby ravens are so Adorable. cute. Also, anybody else picking up on, like, the Game of Thrones yeah. raven thing? Also... Yeah, yeah, I just love ravens so much. Cool. No, they're amazing. Amazing they're little huge creatures. Too. They are. Like, I think a lot of people think ravens and crows are the same thing. No. They're not. They're totally not. Nope. Ravens are really big. They're like three times as big as a crow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They look just like a crow, but larger. Well, their beaks are... Nope. I could go into a okay. deep dive about ravens. <laughs> not going to do that. We'll save that for another time. <laughs> we'll save that for another time for sure. So let's go ahead and digest our gin and tonics as we digest some history about the Tower of London. So the Normans of Normandy, France had just overtaken the Saxons and won like a ton of battles throughout the English countryside. They then went on to build some of the most epic castles of all time. Like we're talking traditional medieval castles that have built our understanding of what a castle is. Now, The original version of the Tower of London was built in the 11th century and was used primarily as a residence and fortress. Not like most people, I think, think of it as a prison because that's kind of at the height of its power or whatever what it was. During the Tudor period, around the start of 1485, the tower became less of a residence and more of a disciplinary spot for those who wronged the crown. So during the War of the Roses, Henry the Great name for a a war, by the way. I know, I know. And the War of the Roses, like the whole reason for that, also very much a Game of Thrones thing. Like he borrowed so much from that. Um, It had to do with like the... um, the not the seals the coat of arms for the two different families i was like what is this (laughs) the coat of arms for the two different family like one had a white rose the other one had a red rose and so it's considered the war of the roses um during the war of the roses henry the sixth was actually murdered within the walls of the tower his two children would later be murdered by their uncle richard the third when they were basically the rightful heirs to the throne, but they were children and they needed someone to just kind of like hold the throne for them until they were old enough to actually take over. And Richard just sort of did them one better and got them out of the way and took on the job. So like really nice guy, right? No, I'm kidding. He was an awful human being. Amazing. He sounds great. <laughs> he killed two kids. So basically it's, it's never been proven that Richard the third killed them, but they were last seen in the tower. Then they were never seen again. Then Richard III was king. Then in 1674, two skeletons were found and they were 
definitely that of two young boys. And so it's like, you kind of do the math. Yeah, that kind of adds up. Exactly, exactly. He definitely killed his two nephews. But anyway. During the reign of Henry, like King Henry VIII, that tower was hopping. He's also the best king ever. I mean, I know way too much about the Tudor history because of him. It's like I read the other Bolin girl, like the book that was like 800 pages. It was like Stephen King wrote it, but he didn't. Um, And then it was just, I couldn't get enough information on figuring out like what was real and what was fiction. Exactly. And I just started like picking it all apart. So the tower was literally crazy at the time that he was King. During his time as king, he ordered his kind of main guy, Thomas Cromwell, to make repairs to the tower. When Henry VIII rid himself of his first wife and daughter, Mary, who will come back into the picture, he prepared rooms for Anne Boleyn to feast and celebrate before they wed in Westminster Abbey. Are we going to be talking about her? A smidge. Just a smidge. She would just three years later find herself back in the tower again. Henry, who would take six wives, had her found guilty of treason and adultery. Really, just Henry wanted to like move on and marry his next lady, Jane Seymour. And so she was beheaded in the tower and it's said and is said to still linger there, sometimes whole, sometimes carrying her severed head. Also, it's said that sometimes visitors will see the whole scene of her beheading play out in front of them as they're like walking through where it happened crazy do you know how the beheadings happen i found this out when i did research for this like the guy so there was this the executor right right right. um he was yeah chopping block yes he was so precise and how he cut the heads because he would have someone coming from the opposite side um like pulling a sword so the victim would turn their head just so to look. Oh my god! And he would come down from the other side, so the head was turned perfectly, so it'd be a clean slice. Like they'd fake them out, basically, yeah. right before. And also, it's kind of nice because they didn't actually see it coming down on their head. Oh, that is kind of nice. That is kind of nice. Um, or on their neck, I guess. And but. there is, I know, like first of all, I, I mean, it, the front row of the beheading in the court and everything it was like a Gallagher show. Like people should have brought their like plastic raincoats and stuff because the blood was spraying. Umbrellas. Exactly. Their, their blood was spraying and there was a basket to catch the head as it dropped in. Cause usually mm-hmm. it was a clean slice and it dropped in. Um, and now this was not a guillotine. So Marie Antoinette was killed with a guillotine, um, which is a device that was designed within France that actually did the cutting for you. It kind of, took out the middleman, if you will. But in the case of the executions at the Tower of London, those were done by like... An executor. Exactly. Like Like, if you've seen... I don't know why I keep referencing Harry Potter. Apparently I love Harry Potter more than I ever thought I did. Yes. But um, the guy that comes to kill the the bird thing. What's it called? Beak Bill or something like that? Right, right, right. right. Buck Beak. Buck Buck Beak. beak. There we go. (laughs) I was like, Beak beak Bill, Buck Buck Buck. Um, It just looked like a chicken. It it was like that, but for human heads. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was real. It was totally, totally real. Um, all right. So Thomas Cromwell, who was the guy who had to repair the tower and everything, he was actually the right-hand man of the king for like so long, but he would also be beheaded there, put to death by Henry VIII himself. 
Because he was so amazing. Exactly. His charges were things like corruption, which was literally done for the benefit of Henry in many cases. And probably under his order. Right. Exactly. So, like, I mean, Henry VIII got away with a lot of stuff. Like, he was definitely king for way too long. And, like, nobody took him out. And they definitely should have kind of slowed his role a little bit. So there were countless others who were killed during Henry VIII's reign. In fact, Anne Boleyn wasn't even his only wife he had beheaded in the tower. Unfortunately, Catherine Howard, Henry's fifth wife, and only a teen when she married, like when he married her. So she was literally like four, like 15 or 16, I want to say. And he was 49. That's disgusting. Right. He was she was also accused of treason and he had her murdered just like three months after their wedding. And also the reasoning for these murders are right. ridiculous. Like, oh, he would come up with garbage reasons. Like, I don't, what was the actual official reason? Oh, it's treason for Anne Bol- um For Anne Boleyn, Boleyn, it was that end. Apparently in her youth, she had made a marriage pact with a young man and so he accused her of, like... Was it the poet? Yes. So he accused her of plotting against him um, in a variety of ways, along with her family. He also accused her of having sexual relations with her own brother in order to get pregnant with a child because she miscarried many, many times. She did have one live birth during the point of their marriage, but she miscarried turned, a number of times. Ended up being the queen. Yes, 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 yes. For a really long time. Totally get to her. Um, But it was almost the same thing that he did to his first wife. So his first wife was technically married to his brother for like a day or two. Um, But on their journey back from being wed, like back to France, he died. And so Henry's like, well, it's only right that I marry her because now I'm the rightful heir and she's meant to be, you know, the queen. And this was Catherine of Aragon. And so they married and they had one child and no other heirs. He also wasn't really sleeping with her. And it's really hard to get pregnant. Like if you're not having sex with someone. Wait, Catherine or Mary? Catherine. Mary was their daughter. Okay. Yes. Got it. Later known as Bloody Mary. Got it. Which we'll get into as well. So he basically said, like, oh, well, they must have consummated the marriage. Therefore, his marriage to her was a sin because she had already been married to his brother and he took his brother's wife. And therefore, God was punishing them by not giving them a male heir. It's all very complicated. It is. But that's also the reason he had uh, Anne Boleyn murdered right right, exactly uh, she didn't give him a male heir right it was it was all punishment um the only person to give him a male heir was jane seymour jane seymour gave birth to a baby boy but then died shortly after childbirth and he's the the one true love that um or she's the one true love that he always felt he lost if you will even though he had like a bajillion wives um There were a couple of women who, like, sort of made out okay, but, like, not that great. It was kind of ridiculous. So after the death of Henry VIII, there was a power power struggle within the court. In fact, one, um, his young son would be king, but it was kind of this short-lived experience because he died soon after taking the throne as a child. His cousin, Lady Jane Grey, would then inherit the throne from him. However, 
she would be overthrown by Mary, Bloody Mary, his first child, who had a vendetta against anyone who got in the way of her and her rightful seat on the throne, plus like non-Catholics in general. She was like a hardcore Catholic. Her mom was a hardcore Catholic. And during his time, in order to get divorced, since the Catholic Church and the Pope wouldn't grant him divorces, Henry VIII actually created the Church of England, which is like a secondary religion, very similar to Catholicism. He made himself the... Literally, he made himself the leader of the church, and therefore he was able to grant his own divorce and make the decision. Eventually, that was... Someone put an end to that, but... Like, yeah. Not soon enough. Not soon enough. Because, like, he still got away with it for a really long time, okay? So Mary, as I mentioned, was the first of Henry VIII's children, with whom he had had during his marriage to Catherine of Aragon. Catherine, Henry's first wife, originally wed to Henry's older brother, as I had previously explained. Basically, Henry had that marriage annulled around the time he left the Catholic Church and started the Church of England in order to marry Anne Boleyn. Catherine, a devout Catholic, was actually banished from court, as was their daughter Mary. And so when Mary got this chance to take back the throne, she took it. She was given the nickname Bloody Mary because she made it kind of her personal mission to persecute all of the Protestant heretics. Why not? Exactly. Even her own half-sister, who was also kind of overthrown by this other male heir um mary and but to be fair so elizabeth the first which was anne boleyn's daughter daughter. exactly elizabeth the first anne boleyn's daughter and mary's half-sister she was actually imprisoned by mary in the tower and brought in on the boat through the traitor's gate Elizabeth I, the daughter of Henry and Anne, would go on to be one of the longer reigning monarchs in England and the predecessor to the former Queen Elizabeth that we kind of know. Fast forward a wee bit, and it takes us to a gent named Guy Fox. Hey, that sounds familiar. Yeah. So we all know him from like the masks from the V for Vendetta. But Guy Fox was actually a real life person. And he had a role in an attempt to blow up Parliament back in the day. Just like V for Vendetta. Exactly. But that plan was foiled. And so they chopped his head off. And I think his execution was pretty bad. They had like a new executioner and like... He didn't really know what he was doing. He had never chopped anybody's head off. He didn't have off. that trick. Exactly. So, like, there's a first... There's a first time for every executioner, right? And um, it took a couple of blows. So probably wasn't the most pleasant. Uh, now, over the years, there were hundreds, if not thousands, of people imprisoned, tortured, murdered, and executed within the walls of the Tower of London. You can imagine that with all of this history, there's a decent number of ghosts and spirits still lingering. And in fact, there are. We're going to go ahead and dive into a few of them here. So number one, Guy Fox. He was taken to the Tower of London. He um, was imprisoned in the Queen's house. And then he was subjected to intense torture, likely on the racks. And because of this, he definitely still lingers there and is one of the known ghosts to have been seen. 
Another ghost story is Anne Boleyn's procession. So when he basically broke everything off with Catherine of Aragon and he became the supreme leader, he brought Anne to this Tower of London and there was this really famous sort of procession that occurred. She also at the time of her beheading, went back into the Tower of London through the Traitor's Gate and then was beheaded in front of a crowd and then laid to rest. She was also not liked by the people. No, the people hated her because they loved Catherine of Aragon. And Anne Boleyn was this, like, sneaky witch that came in and stole the throne, essentially. Now, Henry the Sixth and earlier Henry, uh, I guess Henry VIII's great-grandfather, technically, he, as I said, was actually murdered while praying privately in the chapel. And it's very much said that he's believed to kind of haunt the Wakefield Tower appearing at midnight. Why? I don't know. That's don't not know. when the ghosts usually strike. pop out. <laughs> well, I guess he was killed close to midnight, but like they okay. say he appears at the stroke of midnight, which is like really precise, like every single time. Like, the ghost doesn't have anything better to do. Are you going to be going here? Yes. Can you go there at midnight? I don't know. They probably close it. I don't think they do night tours. Yeah. We're going there April 1st, I believe. If I'm not... No, no. Just kidding. We're going there March 31st. Oh, okay. So that's your first stop? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're literally, like, landing, and then, like, later that day, we're going to the Tower of London, because our first hotel is, like, 11 minutes away. This is probably my favorite ghost. There's a ghost of a bear (laughs) that haunts the Tower of London. It's a good one. Right, exactly. So the Tower of London for a period of time, among many other things, was used as a menagerie, which is kind of like a former term for a zoo, like a personal zoo, if you will. With exotic animals that shouldn't, they have no business. At all being in, in England. In a tower? In a tower. Well... I mean, it was more than just the tower and the castle. There were pumas, there were tigers, jackals, an elephant from France, and even a polar bear were there. Um, But they definitely had a bear with some, like, lions and leopards and all this other stuff, too. And for whatever reason, uh, the bear uh, definitely still hangs out and wanders around. So if you've ever wanted to see a ghost bear, your opportunity is within the Tower of London. Now, did you know that... They would charge people, I was, it was like three pence or something like that, to get into this exotic zoo that they had. Mm-hmm. Or people could bring offerings of cats or dogs to feed to the lions, Aww. and that would be their entrance fee. How messed up is that? I literally almost spit out my gin and tonic. That was so awful. I didn't know that. And those poor little kitties and puppies. Like, uh, who's doing that? I, I would never bring my pet. I assume they're wild, like, wild feral. cats, feral cats, dogs, that but sort of thing. Still, yeah. But still, that's nice. I, I don't want to see a lion that bad. <sighs> so our next ghost is a little less animalistic. His name was Sir Walter Raleigh. And he was sent to the tower no less than three times, which clearly he was very familiar with it. <laughs> He was imprisoned by Elizabeth I and James I. He spent over 13 years uh, during one individual uh, confinement. He attempted suicide 
And he was last imprisoned at the Tower of London in the Beauchamp Tower, which took place around 1603 before he too was executed by beheading uh, outside the Palace of Westminster. There is, according to a 1957 Welsh guardsman, a faceless young woman. So this guardsman was on duty at the Salt Tower when he encountered this sort of shapeless form with the face of a young woman, perhaps one of the many women who suffered a terrible fate, but no one knows her identity, unfortunately. So she doesn't have a body or she doesn't have a face? I don't know. So she's referred to as the faceless young woman, but like she was shapeless with the face of a young woman and that's not really faceless. (laughs) I don't know. Look, I'll let you know when I see her, okay? okay great. I'm going to be walking around and be like, where's the salt tower? Where are you? <laughs> Zach Baggins. All, all up in uh, the ghost's face. Show yourself. Show yourself oh, to me. Oh, you could just go sing, sing oh, Frozen. Show yourself. Yeah, just walk around. Perfect. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So the next ghost is Margaret Pole. So like Anne Boleyn, the beheading of Margaret Pole, who was the Countess of Salisbury, took place on the Tower Green, which was basically like a little courtyard area where people could come and gather and watch because that was a, a thing that people did. It's a fun daytime activity. You know, I love a good execution. So she was brought to the scaffold by Henry VIII for the crime of being the mother of Cardinal Pole, who opposed Henry's self-created position as the supreme head of the Church of England. So she was, like, literally guilty by association. She was 67 when she and, died. Like, it, it's not even... Uh, okay. It's not even like so, she supported him. She just... Like, he came out of her vagina and she lost her head because of it. And either way, he was right to oppose... Yes! Yes! But th- this is, like, the the crazy power that Henry VIII had. Like, it's so disturbing. Yes. It really is. So the white figure, um, the Beefeaters, which is actually a nickname. They're the Yalman Warders is what they're technically called. But we refer to them as Beefeaters because it's more fun to say. Um, there is this white figure, a, a female figure, and one of... That one of the captains in this Beefeater squad in 1864 saw this kind of whitish female figure and charged her with his bayonet. And then it just sort of disappeared. And interestingly enough, it did uh, appear within the courtyard where Anne Boleyn was beheaded. So mm. but I, I don't think it was her because anytime I've heard dis- like dis descriptions of her ghost it's been far more formed you know what i mean yes like like you can either see her, her with her head or yeah. like holding her head or something i'd be holding my head because that sounds like way scarier i think i would bowl with my head and try to knock down people i dig that you've thought about this and i like that it's good stuff that's right it's good stuff So Lady Jane Grey, as we mentioned earlier, she was like the world's quickest queen. She kind of like got in and got out. Um, Unfortunately, her out was being beheaded by good old Bloody Mary, which is pretty crummy. Now, if you visit the Tower of London, 
you get to actually listen for the sound of sandals slapping against the stone floors because there's apparently a monk wearing his sandals wandering around and it's that like Mm -hmm. clapping sound that like flip-flops make basically so i will definitely be listening for that which is very cool Arbella Stewart is a repeated ghost sighting at the Tower of London. She was a cousin to Elizabeth I, and she was imprisoned by James I for marrying William Seymour, who was a nephew of Lady Jane Grey, without royal consent. That was another thing. So back in this time frame, you had to have consent of the king in order to like form a marriage, like a formal marriage if you were a member of court. And so that's something that could have killed you, which is kind of interesting. You also not only marrying, but you had to have consent for, um, you know, having intercourse, which is where the F word comes from. Yes. Because it's fornication under consent of the king. Right. That's what it stands for. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Gotta love that. And really, technically, fornication couldn't exist without marriage, so the two sort of went hand in hand. That's right. Right. Because it definitely, (laughs) nobody ever had sex outside of marriage at this point. Definitely not Henry VIII. He never had affairs, ever, at all. Anyway. Of course, we've got the Lost Princes. So... When Edward died, Edward's young son, who was 12-year-old Edward, (laughs) Jesus, why could we name them something different? Uh, He technically, as we mentioned, became King Edward V. Because then there wouldn't be a 5th or a 6th or a 16th or something. So true. Also, do you know how hard it is to, like, read Roman numerals and, like, process it in your head? I'm surprised in the notes you actually have them as Roman numerals. I would have just written them as numbers. I I practiced. (laughs) I definitely practiced because I was just, like, 5th in the lines before, the lines after. Oh, my God. It's not as hard when you get into, like, the 3rd, 4th, 5th, that sort of thing. When you get into, like, the 16th (laughs) and the 18th, you're like, Jesus, that's a lot of lines. It's just a lot of lines. So is an X a 5 or a 10? Right, exactly, (laughs) exactly. So under protection of his uncle, King Edward V, um, or excuse me, King Edward V, under protection of his uncle, the Duke of Gloucester, who would be Richard III, he essentially wanted to take the crown for his own. So he imprisoned Edward under the guise of it being protection for him until he was old enough to fully take the crown. Uh, The mother of this child took sanctuary in Westminster Abbey. And after declaring young Edward as illegitimate, the Duke of Gloucester became King Richard III. Edward and Richard, the littlest, were never seen again. And they were believed to have been murdered on the order of their uncle, Richard III. Crazy. So we mentioned that earlier, and their bones were found, so. Right. And they were found under a staircase in in one of the towers. Yeah. And I think I misspoke. I think they were actually excavated in 1933 is when they were discovered. But it was like 1674 when they were said to have gone missing or something like that. I Dates. It's not my strong point. That's all right. That's cool. We'll forgive you. I think, though, unlike the bear, which is the most fun ghost that the Tower of London offers. Who attacks people, by the way? (laughs) I love that. Super fun. It is super fun. Please let me be attacked by the ghost bear. (laughs) Um, 
probably the most terrifying spirit is going to be the nameless thing. Kind of like, <laughs> so do you remember in the White House in that haunting? Yeah, there was the like boy. this, exactly, yeah. like this nameless child yeah. that like touches people. So the nameless thing literally just like pops up and he's like, hey, but very specifically, um, he bugs the guards of the tower while they walk their beat from the Sally portal entrance uh, by the river. And so once again, really excited to see this. Do you think it's another little boy? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's taunting. Maybe it's the guards just like poking people. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's little Edward. I don't know. Or little Richard. No, not little Richard. Nope. Young Richard. <laughs> there we go. Not Richard the third. The uh, okay. if they didn't all have the same name, all like there's twenty five Henrys. The only people we talked about were Marys, Elizabeths, Henrys, Richards, and Edwards. Don't forget Jane Grey. Oh yeah. And Anne. Anne ah, and yes. Jane. <laughs> but there was Jane Seymour and Jane Grey. That's true. So many Janes. Ridiculous. Like I really wish there could have been some something a little more creative but why bother so everybody that is the tower of london i hope you enjoyed it we certainly enjoyed our beef eater gin gin and tonics if you can't tell towards the end of the episode they started to hit us a little bit <laughs> i mean i am i am warmed up is what i am i am warmed up good old beef eater gin Get yourself okay. a bottle today. Well, that's I'm our just episode. trying to advertise so maybe yep. we could pick up the advertiser. Okay, okay. that's it. Bye. Bye. Love you. Bye.